Welcome to the First Nance Podcast. This week, Pastor Paul gives us an interactive journey through his sermon where we get to answer questions about the story that help us understand. Let's listen in as he teaches. Sadie Johnson is here. Sadie is a missionary uh, who is working at Dulo School in the Dominican Republic. Sadie grew up as a part of this church and come a little closer. Yeah, I'm, I promise um, we... Uh, we're okay, thank you. Uh, Andy's offering us stools, maybe in a little bit, but yeah. we're okay for now. We're okay <laughs> for now. Thank you, Andy. Uh, the Sadie is here to to just tell us a little bit. So you've been in the Dominican Republic at Dula School for how long? So this is my fifth year. So I'm um, I go as school years, and so this is my fifth school year. Fifth school year, and and tell tell us what you've been doing over the last. Um, Four and a half years. So I went down as a a fourth grade teacher. Um, I was a fourth grade teacher for three years, and then I moved up with one of my classes to be the fifth grade teacher, and so that's where I'm at currently. Um, I also kind of have a couple extra side things of I do the student leadership, um, so like our government kind of, so I get to hang out with high schoolers and build those leadership skills, and then I also volunteer as Young Life. And life leader down there. Excellent. And and so tell us about the school itself, because the school is like a really unique <clears throat> model. Yeah. So Dulles Discovery School um, is kind of built on five pillars. So we're a Dominican school. Um, we value um, being in the culture. And so we are a Dominican school serving Dominican students. About 15% of our students are missionary kids based off of where we live and who we serve, and there's a lot of different organizations around. Um, So, Dominican school, uh, I'm looking at my sister and Joe, they're also down there, kind of speaking on their behalf, so if I forget something, you can shout it. Um, We're also a um, calling prep school, so we believe that um, students after high school, you know, they can, can go where they need to. We are helping them step into where God's calling them, whether that's college, whether that's going out to other countries um, or serving in their community. So looking into calling prep. We're also expeditionary learning. It's a model of education, so it's very um, projects-based. So all of our education is through a lens of expeditionary learning. Um, Side note, Joe does outdoor ed, so he coordinates, we value outdoor education, so he coordinates all outdoor ed trips. Um, We are a Christian discipleship school, so all of our discipline and everything that we do is through a lens of Christian discipleship. So we do heart conversations and all of our, um, yeah, everything that just we do is through the lens of Christian discipleship. And then our last one um, is a mixed socioeconomic school. And so this one's my favorite personally. Half of our students, 50%, are on tuition pay. Um, So they're paying full amount of what it costs to be a private school in the Dominican. But then the other half do a scholarship. And so half of our students are on BECA. Um, So we believe that leaders... BECA is the Spanish word for scholarship, by the way. Is it? It No way. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, So we believe that leaders, we... We believe leaders can come from any socio background. So mixing those two different, you know, high-end and low-end students and building those relationships and seeing 
what fruit can come from that. That is super intriguing to me. This the mixed socioeconomic pieces, like the the real like just kind of different. Hmm, yeah, it's very different. And so. You teach in English. Is all instruction in English? Is there Spanish <clears throat> instruction? So I teach the I teach math, English, science, and Bible in English, and then they have the other half of their day in Spanish. Um, so it's a fully bilingual school. All of our students come out being fully bilingual. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it, is it K through twelve? So it's actually pre-K three. So three year olds. Actually, Jude will get to go next year, two and a half. Jude gets to wear a backpack to school next year. Two and a half, so it's pre-K three all the way to 12th grade. So the idea is that it's like a 15-year commitment. So the kids that are in scholarship, they um, make a really pretty hearty um, commitment with our school for a 15-year commitment because in it, it's just a very unique school, um, but the idea is that we get to build up those kids for 15 years and push them out into the world, hopefully as great Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, like, what's, what's your experience been in the Dominican Republic? Like, you, how have you encountered the culture? Has it been, have there been, what have been the surprises? As, yeah. as you, this is a totally shock question. I didn't, we didn't yeah, prep we for didn't this prep one. <laughs> um, so the DR is a very relational culture. Um, they believe relationship over everything, which is so beautiful. Um, sorry, gotta, gotta contemplate a little bit. Um, so the DR, again, very relational, very beautiful. Um, they, if you know anything about the DR, the education is one of the lowest in the world. Um, educational public schools, is like 50 kids in one classroom. Um, and so the education system as a whole is, is really pretty terrible. And that's why, um, this school, the vision of it is so beautiful and so big and so different is because since education is so messy down there um and like the average dropout is eighth grade and so in that the idea is that well we can change this country through education and like if we can spearhead leaders to be jesus loving students then when they go out into the world and they do whatever they're doing they get to bring jesus with them um and hopefully infiltrate all of the country. Yeah. Um, I didn't fully answer that, though, I don't think. No, that's okay. That's just, that was just like... Do you guys want to add anything? <laughs> so <laughs> just just for those who aren't aware, uh, Sadie's sister, Jessie Johnson, well, not Johnson anymore. Crudel. Crudel is, and her husband, Joe, and their, their little boy uh, are also teaching at Dulo School, and so yeah. that's the, the so reference. That's the reference there. Um, okay, and then your, how are you funded? The, those uh, 50% that pay full tuition, they just fund everything, right? <laughs> I wish. No, um, so with our 50% on scholarship, um, in order to have that model, the North American staff, which is about half of our, our teaching staff, they come from the North, North America, a few from Canada, mostly from here, um, and when they come we come as funded from people like you guys. And so when we go there, um, as being funded, the school, the rest of the staff can pay for the local teachers as well as filling those um, 
sponsorship kids. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you've been raising your own support the, yeah. this whole four and a half years, five years. Yes. And again, I, I spoke to Paul at the beginning. And I said, I just want to say thank you to this church body because most of my sponsor, most of my sponsorship, not sponsorship, most of my funding comes from many of you people, even the church itself. And so I have never gotten up here before, but I was like, I just want to say thank you because I literally couldn't do it, and this school doesn't work without people like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are excited that you are representing First Nance uh, abroad, and so, you know, uh, it's it's not a Nazarene thing, and so it it uh, makes my head spin because I'm so Nazarene that to, to have a missionary here who's not a Nazarene missionary is, is uh, you know, it's almost sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, but it's so incredible the work that you're doing, and we believe in you. We as a as a congregation, we did uh, uh, support uh, Sadie in this last year, and so we're we're super excited that God's continuing to use you, you. and and you're doing great work. Thank you. Thank you. So Sadie's my partner for the sermon. You guys can now ask one another your partner about your missionary service in the Dominican Republic. That doesn't. Um, you can come visit. That only works for a few people in the middle there. We're, I, I'm going to do something I've never done before, and we'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, I'll be talking about if God exists next week. Come back for that. This is this is a, a teaching method that that I've been a part of, but I've never actually done myself. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible. This is a Bible story, but I'm not going to tell you where it's found because I don't want you to open your Bible and look at it just yet. I'm going to tell you a story from the Bible, and then you're, you have a partner that's next to you. You and your partner are going to tell the story back and forth to each other. So one of you is going to take a turn, tell the story, and then the, the other person's going to take a turn and tell the story back. And then once you've gotten through telling the story to one another, I'm going to tell the story again. Now, the problem is when I tell a story a second time, it rarely comes out right. And so if I make a mistake my second time telling the story, you'll have to stop me and say, no, 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 that's not right, and you'll have to correct me, okay? And so then I just have a few questions, and Sadie and I will talk about the questions, and you'll talk about the questions with your partner, and, and that'll be that. So David Waltner was hoping, David who prayed for us this morning, uh, a beautiful prayer, uh, a lovely man of God, he was hoping that the four words I had for you were about my sermon were, it will be short. <laughs> it's up to you. It's up to you this morning, okay? So here's the story that I'd like to share with you. It, it comes from early in the life of the church. As the word of God and the believers were multiplying, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers started to complain against the Hebrew-speaking believers because their widows were being discriminated against in the distribution of food. Now, the 12 called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we need to focus on teaching the word of God. We cannot run a food distribution program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and wisdom. And we will give them this responsibility, and then we apostles can focus on prayer and teaching the word of God. This seemed like a good plan to everyone, so they appointed seven men. There was Stephen, who's filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and Philip, and five others who were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid hands on them. The message of God continued to spread, and the number of believers in Jerusalem multiplied. Even many of the priests, the Jewish priests, were converted. That's the story. So I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to tell the story to the person next to you, and then take turns, okay? Go ahead. Okay, I'm getting some thumbs up. I'm seeing that people have, have done it. I see some groups that are still trying. That's okay. If you don't have it by now, Sadie says. Okay, let me tell the story. But again, sometimes when I tell a story a second time, I just get, I get confused. And, and uh, I just, you know, so if I get confused, will you just stop me? Anybody can just stop me and tell me, you know, that, that things are, are okay or that I need to fix, fix what I'm saying. Okay, so as the number of believers continued to multiply, everything was peachy keen in the church. There were no problems. 
I've, I've already messed up. Pe Peachy Keen is where I went wrong. Okay. No, so as the, as the church uh, and the, the believers continued to multiply, there were rumblings of discontent. Mm, yeah, I hear some rumblings now. <laughs> this is great. This is great. There were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking uh, believers complained against the Hebrew-speaking believers. They said that their widows were getting too much food. Oh, their widows were being discriminated against in the distribution of food. And so the 12 gathered a meeting of all of the believers, and they said, hey, we're just going to, from now on, we're taking over the distribution of foods. You guys can't get it. Okay, that wasn't right either. The, as the, the 12 gathered all of the church and they said, hey, we need to devote, devote ourselves to teaching the word. We, we can't run a food distribution program. And so, brothers, here's what you need to do. Gather seven, find seven uh, men who are well-respected, filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and uh, we'll give them this responsibility. And then we can go and sit on the beach and we won't have to worry about any... No. <laughs> no. But I, I wish the office of leader in the church had that caveat in it, but no. Okay, so then we can devote ourselves to prayer and to teaching God's word. This seemed like a good plan with everybody, so they selected seven men. There was Stephen, who is full of the Holy Spirit and faith, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's Philip. There were five others. They presented these to the apostles who uh, prayed for them and laid hands on them. And, and so God's message continued to spread. Uh, there wasn't anybody else that came to faith in Jerusalem necessarily. No, in Jerusalem, there were many new believers, even some of the Jewish priests, many of the Jewish priests, actually, the text says, many of the Jewish priests were converted to. So that's the story. I, uh, I just have some questions now. And so I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to ask you to share with your partner the answer to, to these questions. They're pretty simple questions. You know the answers. You know the answers to these questions. Don't you worry. The, the questions I have, though, I, I'll let you know where the story is found because this is supposed to be a teaching method that doesn't rely on text. And so if you don't want to look at the text, you don't need to look at it. But we are so book-dependent, right, in our culture. And many of us, like, we can't think about the Bible without opening it. And so I'm going to just I'll let you know that it's Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7 that we're looking at. You don't have to look it up, Michaela knew. Well done. Uh, so this is uh, Acts chapter, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, but you don't need to look it up. But the first question I'm going to ask you to discuss with your partner is just, what did you like about the story? What did you like about this story? Take two minutes. Each of you gets to say a couple of things.
with how to apply that. By the way, if you are on live stream, uh, would you please just comment in the comments of the live stream? Um, this isn't for anybody here. This is for people at home. If, if you will uh, comment in the live stream comments, we will be interacting with you through the day. And so please make sure. Yeah, uh, people here could comment in the live stream comments as well if you wanted to pull it up. It, mute it if you do, please. Um, it'll just be too distracting. So, uh, Sadie, what did you like about this story? Well, I said, I like yours as well. I said, um, I like that, like, even though there was discrimination, it got pointed out and it got dealt with. Can I share yours as well? Sure. He also said that there was something in this church that could have caused great division, but actually ended up being reconciled really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this thing that, like, this is, this could be, this is pressure within the church. The church is facing pressure in the book of Acts from outside already. This is the first thing that comes up that's like really pressure within the church and could break it apart. And, and the church passes the test miraculously, right? Okay, so second question. Uh, let, me, let me give you question number two is, what questions might somebody have about this story? Now, these could be your own questions, but maybe there's just like, other questions out there. If you have a question, what questions might somebody have about this story? Go ahead and, and take a minute to talk about what's not clear in the story. Well, what questions did you have, Sadie? <laughs> My question was, well, why was there discrimination against the Greek-speaking Christians? And my other one was, what was the criteria for the seven? Besides, like, the, like how did they know that they were being filled with the Spirit? Yeah, yeah, how do you de determine who is filled with the Holy Spirit and who isn't? That's an interesting thought. I don't have an answer for that. I don't have any answers to any of your questions, sorry. Uh, I, I'm curious to know what questions there, there were, uh, but I, I don't know that I can, can receive from, you know, 150 at once, so I'm going to, you know, put them in the live, scre live stream chat, and, and we'll look at those later, and, and I'll say, yeah, good question, later in the day. Uh, 
Well, let's dig in a little bit more to, to the story, and let me ask you another question. What do you learn about the church? What do we learn about the church from this story? So again, I'll give you just a couple minutes with your, with your partner, and uh, we'll hear what you have to say, or we'll talk a little bit about what we can learn about the church. So go ahead, and, and I'll give you just a couple of minutes. All right, what did you learn about the church? You learned lots about the church, I'm sure. Uh, Sadie, what did you learn about the church from this story? Um, I said, well, this is just like a truth that there's always going to be things that divide people in the church. Yeah. And then there's also a way to reconcile in a biblical manner. Yeah, yeah. So I really loved how the leaders of the church listened to the complaints, right? The, there, there was an imbalance in leadership at this point, if you consider who the 12 are, the 12 are, by and large, part of the Hebrew-speaking wing of the church. Their, their widows are receiving plenty. And so then the church appoints these seven leaders. What you don't get from me telling you the story or, or from an English reading of the story very clearly is that all seven of the men who are appointed have Greek names. So if there was an imbalance of leadership before this with way more Hebrew-speaking leaders in the church, now suddenly there's been a shift and there are at least seven Greek-speaking leaders in the church. Do you have something you wanted to add to that? Okay, you're welcome to add at any, any time. I think about that, you know, uh, Sadie mentioned how there's always, always things that threaten to divide the church. Something that could have divided the church would have been like, what, you're going to put all Greek speakers in charge of this feeding program now? Like, they're the ones distributing the food? Now the Hebrews are going to get overlooked. But it doesn't divide the church. And, and miraculously, it seems to, to bring about strength in the church. I love in this story that the apostles affirm the importance of both the compassionate work of making sure widows get food, and the important work of prayer and studying the Word of God and teaching the Word of God, right? These are, these are both affirmed as purposes of the church. 
we can get a little judgy sometimes in the church. Let me just be honest with ourselves. Like, we can get a little judgy sometimes when we think, ah, oh, I am feeding the poor, I'm helping people in need, I'm doing all of this compassionate work, and, and then some people are just away in their ivory tower studying what God's word and, and locked away, not interacting with the world at all. Or we can say, well, I am studying the Bible for heaven's sake. I am praying. Why do I need to be, you know, out on the streets helping, helping the poor? I, I'm doing the important work of the church by, by praying and, and meditating and, and digging into scripture. This is a passage that affirms both are important. The church exists for both purposes. And so as a, as a congregation, one of the reasons I chose this passage for us at the end of the year as we're looking to the year 2024, we're a church that is intentionally following Jesus. We are a church that is digging into scripture. We are a praying church. We're a church that loves the Lord and wants to grow closer to the Lord. We're also a church that serves joyfully. We're a church that has a food bank and loves to, to meet the needs of people. We're a church that, if you're moving, we'll help you move your stuff. We're, we're a church that if your house needs a roof on it, we'll try to help you with that. We're a church that has collected funds in, in our emergency fund, our families in need fund over the, this last year, and we had a little bit of extra in it at the end, and so we gave it away to folks in our, in our midst who, who needed a little help getting through the end of the year. We're, we're a church that is going to focus on studying the word and praying and serving those in need in our community. And so both of those, both of those fit with the purpose of the church as, as the leaders in the church saw it in Acts chapter 6. And then I love the way that the deacons are just given authority to go and do it. And, and the apostles just like, say, all right, we're going to keep teaching and, and praying. And, and by the way, there's going to be more people that are going to be coming to the feeding program because we're going to keep spreading the word. We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do. And so you be ready to do what God has called you to do. And, and they just let, let the deacons go. What's amazing about this is that in the next two chapters, chapter six, seven, and eight are dominated by these men who are deacons. Stephen's story, the first martyr of the church, and he, he preaches this incredible sermon in front of the Sanhedrin, and then they decide to stone him. And then Philip's story of missionary work, uh, Philip in the, the Ethiopian eunuch, he's transported away after he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. These incredible stories of God using these men who are appointed to be in charge of distributing food among the church that are not content to just distribute food. They don't just wait tables, as some of the translations talk about, about the work that they're appointed to do. They don't just wait tables. They are out preaching the word of God. And Stephen, you know, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, shows up immediately after this, doing amazing things, very much, uh, very much apostle-type work, uh, even though he's appointed as, as this deacon role. So that's what I, I've taken away. Uh, I talked longer than I gave you to discuss, so um, if, I'm, I'm sure you guys got all of that in, in the 30 seconds I gave you to discuss what you learned from the church. But let me ask you one more, well, I, I have a couple more questions still. Uh, 
What do you learn about God from this story? Now think again in, through this story. What do you learn about God in this story? Go ahead, discuss with your, with your partner. All right, Sadie, what do you learn about God from this story? Um, I just said that, kind of like what Paul was saying, there's lots of different ways that the church could care for people, and that just shows that God is big, and God is not this, like, you have to do just this exact little thing. Mm -hmm. it's, he's bigger than what we always put him to be. Right, God doesn't intend, the, the purpose of the church is God's purpose, right? God doesn't intend to only provide for your physical needs, though God does intend to provide for your physical needs. God doesn't only intend to provide for your spiritual needs either, right? God expects that if you rely on him, he will meet your every need. And, and often, God has chosen the church to be the means by which uh, needs are met. But yeah, God's not interested. God doesn't say, pray, and read the Bible, and if you starve to death, no biggie, right? It doesn't seem like it in this story, at least, right? Uh, God seems like he's pleased with the church that, yeah, is, is doing both. Okay, so as I think about this story, and I think about it in the flow of the book of Acts, like, I, I think about all of the miraculous things that have happened up to this point in the book of Acts, you know, if you go back, you have like tongues of fire falling from heaven on the believers and then they speak in, in different languages so that people can hear the good news about God. And then you get all of these miracle stories. Peter, P 
Peter says, you know, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we give you freely. Stand up and walk to the person who is lame. Uh, we, we, talk, we, we have these, these just incredible, incredible stories of, oh, people who, like Peter, for example, like he couldn't put two words together about Jesus before the book of Acts, and then suddenly he has all of these words, you know, that are like God's words for, for the people that he is speaking to. God has done all of this incredibly miraculous thing, and then we get to a church business meeting. And it seems like, well, <laughs> so much for the romance of the early church, right? Like, there's been this great stuff happening, and all of a sudden, we're, we're having to call them together, and we're going to have a vote here, and we're going to see how this goes. And, and it seems like pretty, pretty mundane happenings. Like, does God really care about what's, what's happening here? Well, here's, here's why I think that God, what I think we see God doing in this passage is, is yes, this is like kind of mundane and it seems like it's just people making choices about who's going to be in leadership and, and how it's going to go. But really what we see is this is one of the points, this is probably the first point in the, in the early church that there was like, a real threat from within. The church was, was experiencing persecution from without. And the church had proven at this point, uh, just this short ways into the book of Acts, the church had proven pressure from without is only going to help the church grow. And, and so this is the first time in the book of Acts when we see some severe pressure from within. There are rumblings of discontent. Let me tell you, if, if we ever hear in the church office, there are rumblings of discontent, Pastor. That's going to put me on high alert. That's, that's, uh, that's going to make my heart rate rise a little bit. Rumblings of discontent. These are things that divide churches, that, that cause movements to explode and, and burst into a million pieces. This is something that could have easily created a Hebrew church and a Greek church. And, and God didn't want there to be a Hebrew church and a Greek church at this point. God wanted there to be a church that would continue the work. And so what I see God doing in this passage is working as people pray and do what they believe is best, and, and God guides the church down the right path that continues to help them not just stay unified, but stay incredibly effective, right? Right? The church continued to multiply in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. God uses this hardship, this, this moment that could have been pretty severe, pretty, pretty bad, in order to, to bring about an amazing, an amazing outcome. It's a reminder that we don't always need to see a physical healing. We don't always need to see a miracle that everybody looks at and says, oh, obviously that is a miracle. We don't always need to have these incredible, powerful displays of the Holy Spirit descending like tongues of fire on the congregation in order for God to work, right? It's a reminder that God can work when men and women listen to God's voice, prayerfully act in the ways that we believe God has called us to act. And so, 
you know, we're, we are going to be hopeful that the Lord shows up in powerful ways in 2024. We're depending, we're going to walk in steps of faith where, where we are going to be dependent on God to show up. That's one of my goals for the year to come, is to put myself to, to the place where, where my faith and my fears kind of intersect. I want, I want to push into the places where, where if God doesn't show up and do something, I'm toast. I want more of that in my life. And, and so we're going to expect God to show up in miraculous ways. But we're also going to see God show up on the second Tuesday of a lot of months when our church board gets together and we, we look at the work of the church over the pr- previous month and we say, wow, Lord, we didn't even realize it, but you have been working in ways that we haven't seen, we haven't been expecting, we didn't even know to ask. We're going to see it over and over again, I guarantee you. So, that's what I learned about God. <laughs> Two more questions. Two more questions. The first one, this week, this week, what do you want to change in your life because of this story? What do you want to change in your life? Not necessarily like you are going to change it, but what will change in your life? This week I want to dot, 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 fill in the, fill in the rest. So go ahead, turn to your partner, say, this week I want to, and fill in the rest. That's a big one. What are you going to do? What's going to be different? You got it? You've got the answer? Sadie? What, what's going to be different? What, what do you want to do as a response to this story? I said that this was a really, really big question. Yeah. Um, I said there are so many things in our world right now that divide the church. We can uh, right now think of like a hundred. Um, and normally I just let those things go. And I just kind of like sweep them under the rug because who am I to battle those, divis- you know, the division conversations. But I need to bring them in prayer um, because that's the only way we can be united in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's huge. Like Sadie mentioned, like what would happen if we went through another global pandemic? Uh, you know, COVID could have divided the church in, in lots of scary ways. And in some places it did. By God's grace, like I think our church is in a strong place 
post-COVID, um, but it's uh, what would be, how do we respond? Maybe this story is a good reminder of, of when, when some are feeling like they're not being heard and, and others are in power. And this is a reminder to seek God. And the God, God can work even in those moments of division, right? I, I thought of some possibilities. I meant to give you some possibilities before I set you free. Sorry, but so like some possibilities, like maybe you want to see where, well, maybe you want to see where God is working quietly. Uh, maybe you, you want to work to bring unity to the church. Maybe you want to serve others more. Maybe you feel like, you know, you've been in the study and pray mode more than in the service mode. You want to be in the service mode. Or maybe you, you want to commit to study and prayer. You know, at the beginning of every year, I try to encourage people, know what your plan is for your own spiritual formation in the year to come. Know, know what devotional guide you're using. Know, know how you're going to interact with scripture over the year if you're going to... Uh, my mom is already on January 3rd of the chronological Bible for next year, so she's ahead of you. Get, you got to get caught up. Uh, I've, I've determined this year I'm going to use a devotional guide that I've used a handful of times called a guide to study for ministers and other servants, and it provides a scripture passage and a psalm for every day. And I'm, I'm committed to myself that I'm going to study the Bible. I'm going to use the Bible devotionally in that, uh, in Spanish, just to, because I, 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 my Spanish is pretty good. Yeah, I don't want to lose my Spanish, but also it, uh, because I'm attentive to the grammar and the vocabulary a little bit more in my second language, it's, uh, it helps me to focus a little bit, so. So anyway, sorry, what, how do you want to, how do you want to respond? I, I didn't just encourage you to, to keep that in mind and keep in mind what your partner said. And, and maybe, maybe over the course of this week or maybe next week when we're gathered back together, you could, could just ask, you know, how, how'd that go? How, how has it gone for you over the course of this week? As a church, I, I see this again, I, I see this as a, a passage that challenges us to, to continue to live into who we claim we want to be. And, and how we want to be a church that is intentionally following Jesus and joyfully serving, how we do life together with grace for one another, and, and then how we love everyone, uh, how, how we don't, we try to, to remove the boundaries that people think exists for the church to love them, and we want to love people who, who come into our doors and who we interact with. We want to press into relationship with, with everyone. Uh, from our church, and so from our church to everyone, we want to love everyone, and so these are these are challenges for us as we as we move forward. Well, the last question is, who else needs to hear this story? Who else needs to hear this story? And uh, I'm not going to make you have a discussion with your with your partner as uh, we as you think about who else needs to hear this story. But I will encourage you to just consider maybe maybe somebody's missing today. And you just want to say, hey, Pastor Paul did this really goofy thing on Sunday, and, and here's the story that he told us. Kind of an interesting story. Or, or maybe, maybe you know, one of your friends that you've been walking with, just maybe you want to just talk about this out to coffee. 
we're, we're too big a group to do a, a group discussion this morning, but I would guess that there's insights over here that would help people over here, and there were insights over here that would help people, you know, like you didn't get to discuss a lot, and so I'm, I'm going to pray for us and dismiss you and, and send you out, but maybe, maybe today would be a great day to just go to lunch with somebody and say, hey, let's, what, what did you guys talk about as, as you discussed this story? Maybe it's a, a day to, to have somebody over and uh, say, hey, what, how, how, did, how did you find that story uh, today? Sound good? Any closing thoughts, Sadie? No. <laughs> I, th- I didn't warn you that was coming either. Why don't you stand and let me say a word of prayer for you. And we will be dismissed. Uh, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we, as we have this day of worship at the end of the year, we're reminded that, that it all belongs to you. That all of our lives, every year is held in your hands. Every day is a gift from you. And so God, help us to receive each day and each new year as a gift, as an opportunity to continue to hear your voice speaking into our hearts through the power of your spirit, through the opening of your word, through our brothers and sisters, Lord, may we hear clearly from from you in the year 2024. May we recognize the opportunity that this year is to continue to grow closer to you. God, I pray that you would watch over this dear church in the year 2024. God, thank you for this body of believers who love you and love one another. Thank you, God, for for the way that you have sustained and provided for us, the way that you have called new people into our midst, the way that you have sent out missionaries from this place into other parts of the world. We pray, Lord, that you would especially bless Sadie and Joe and Jesse as they continue to follow your leading in the Dominican Republic. We ask, God, that you would work powerfully in the Dulo School, that this grand experiment would just continue to, to reap incredible fruit in the lives of, of the children who are learning there and in the lives of teachers who have committed to live cross-culturally and to raise support and to be volunteers and do this incredible work so they could disciple young ones that otherwise would not have the chance to know about you. Would you bless them, Lord? And would you go with us from this place, God? Would, would you continue to speak to our hearts from Acts chapter 6, but Lord, uh, continue to, to draw us into your presence so that we could be more and more the people that you have called us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. May the peace of God, the peace that transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus as you go. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us on the First NAS podcast. We look forward to seeing you in person at 1700 8th Street in Lewiston. Come join us.